welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the Omni Talk Ask an Expert series. I am your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are the founders of Omni Talk, the fast growing retail blog that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to call it, the blog that brings you tomorrow's companies today. And today we're going to touch on a subject that is on everyone's minds, but is also the subject at parties that people are afraid to talk about, and that is the subject of IT security. And we plan to do that through the lens of one of my favorite topics right now, which is electronic shelf labels. So joining us today to share his expertise on the subject is Art Miller, the global head of retail IT, IOT, excuse me, at Qualcomm. Art, welcome to the show. Chris, man, thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to be here. I've talked to you a few times already, and I'm really geeked up and excited for this one, Art. I got to tell you and tell all the fans watching. Um, But before we get started, I do want to just give a quick reminder that for those of you watching us live on LinkedIn, feel free to ask your questions of Art at any time via the chat session window on the right side of your screen. And please don't be shy because there is a ton, a ton of nuance to this conversation that we're about to have. Yes, one of my favorite named, I think, interviews that we've done of all times. Like people are not not talking about this at cocktail parties in the way that they should are. So I'm excited for you to come in and elaborate on this topic for us today. Um, I'd love for you, before we get started, though, to tell the audience a little bit about your background and your expertise and why you're here talking with us today. Long, long time ago, I started at the University of Michigan. Worked my oh. way through Chicago and uh, at, at uh, Motorola as an engineer, okay. hired in as an engineer, engineering degree. Um, at some point, you know, I was there for a couple of years and came out to Qualcomm back in 1997. Okay. Uh, so at some point, they figured out I could talk to people outside of engineering and they started putting me in front of customers. And that led to eventually me coming back to Qualcomm from uh, Kyocera, a, a, a handset company, in a business role. And I've been in a business role roughly half my career and uh, engineering the other half of my career. And recently I've been focused on uh, the technology that goes into retail. So for the last three years, that's been my only focus. Uh, prior to that, I was helping to build our IoT business. Um, so we, as Qualcomm diversifies, we're looking at IoT as one of those. So I've been hiding for a few years, building some businesses. And now, uh, now we're out talking about some of the things we've been doing. What are some of the other, like you mentioned, you know, how Qualcomm is getting into retail devices and IoT devices. What are some of the things that people might be familiar with um, when they're thinking of Qualcomm? Yeah. So when you think of Qualcomm, I think people think of maybe 5G, definitely, you know, connectivity, cellular connectivity. But what they don't take into account are some of our adjacent businesses, which have, have grown significantly over the last few years. If you look at our automotive business, our IoT business. Um, IoT alone for Qualcomm has has been doing better than a billion dollars per quarter, um, so it's it's not a small thing. But it's 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 certainly as we diversify beyond mobile, IoT and specifically retail IoT is one of our big areas we're investing in. If I read between the lines, Art, it sounds like we've got the extroverted engineer here um, on on this on this conversation with us today. So I'm excited about that. Although the Michigan drop that that's suspect. I got a question that being the the son of two Hawkeye parents, but uh, but we'll keep rolling here. Um, all right, so casual observers are probably wondering, you know, IT through IT security, you're going to talk IT security through the lens of shelf labels, like what the hell is that all about? But in reality, I think it's actually a great proof point. So let's get the audience first up to speed on where ESL, electronic shelf label adoption has been over the past few years and, and where you think it's going. 
Sure. So in, you know, uh, electronic shelf labels, for those that don't know it, obviously we're just digitizing those paper labels at the shelf edge, allowing dynamic pricing or other things to happen. Now in the past, those were based, the ROI to deploy those was simply based on automated pricing. And, you know, there was always this discussion that technology is expensive, labor's cheap, you know, we don't change prices that often. So there wasn't really a need outside of a place like Europe where labor was already expensive, um, that where the ROI made sense. So in the US, there was always, or in, in you know, US or other markets uh, where labor was somewhat cheap, there has always been this friction. Um, and uh, now technology is cheaper, labor, if you can find it is more expensive. Mm -hmm. And then obviously there's this tie online to offline and that need to have that pricing uh, transparency between both sides. So there's, there's been, uh, some of that friction has been reduced. Some of the needs been uh, pulling that stuff in. So are, where, where are retailers, I mean, you mentioned several friction points here, but where, mm -hmm. where's the challenge then in this uh, rollout of, of uh, electronic shelf labels and, and how are you kind of helping them with that? Sure, so I think that there's, there's you know, the, the challenge um, that we look at, we talked about the friction, there's also this, am I gonna make the wrong decision? You know, there's this, uh, right now, the, the nearly all, if not all of the uh, electronic shelf label solutions today are proprietary. So if you're okay. a CIO or someone writing a big check, are you afraid you're gonna make the wrong decision? Um, so that's, that's, that's one. The, the other is the, you know, when you start looking at the, when you're talking about billions of tags at this point, so right. rolling things out in such a way that um, with proprietary tech and now this huge attack surface from a, from a security perspective, you know, you have to start really asking yourself, <clears throat> am I doing the right thing? So, you know, we're, we're trying to help solve a couple of those problems, the friction points with standardization and the ability to deploy end-to-end -end security in, in kind of an easier fashion than you would otherwise. We just are trying to raise visibility of what you should be asking or what you should be doing as a CIO. Yeah, and, and Art, so explain that to people too, because I, I want to make sure people understood that one point too, where you talked about billions of tags, right? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. you've got each tag for every SKU in operation in a given you know, retail outlet. And for a mass merchant like a you know Walmart or Target or somebody like that that we talk a lot about, that's and across all their store base, that's a hell of a lot of tags. So, mm -hmm. so you're saying each one of those is a security opportunity potentially or a security risk in, in, in and of itself? Well, I think when you expose any technology into a store, whether or not you're using smart cameras at the edge to count people or you're, industri you're putting an industrial handheld or potentially a consumer device in all of your associates' hands, those are all attack services. This one just happens to be magnified into the billions. Um, so, you know, we're looking at it's, a wireless communication, you know, protocol. So how that can either be used as kind of people trying to hack into your system through the uplink. It could be someone simply trying to change prices locally on a, a tag or mess with a retailer, change all the prices of the same thing. So there's these attack vectors, either people having fun or people truly trying to do damage you're, you're opening yourself up to. So, you know, relying on uh, just standard encryption or not doing anything is probably not the right answer. Got it. So, so got it. So basically the table set here is that electronic shelf labels, while they've, they've had some points of friction in the past, they're now gaining popularity from the use case mm -hmm. perspective in terms of synergies with online pricing, the problems with labor, but yet there's all these factors you have to fa think about from an IT security perspective mm -hmm. and just an investment standpoint, if you're going to roll them out. So, 
to do one more use case, you know, it just kind of one more friction point. I want to touch on that. Um, when you look at now the way our, we've changed, our behavior has changed during COVID, um, you know, we're buying stuff online and picking it up at the curbside or in the store. The challenge is that what we used to do for free, which is run around and fill up our own basket, uh, retailers are paying for. Right. So one ROI that wasn't there a few years ago was how do I, picking efficiency. How do I make my employees more efficient at doing the job we used to do on their behalf? Um, so that's, you know, now there's standardization, technology is cheaper, labor is more expensive, and there's new ROIs justifying digitizing that shelf edge that we interact with uh, as consumers. So that's, we'll put that aside. Well, Art, before you go on, tell, tell the audience what that looks like too, because like, how does a shelf label, maybe for people that are new, how does a shelf label actually help with picking? Like what, how does that work? Like what's it great. doing? So, so let's say you're, you're, you're tasked with going around and picking an order and you now are saying, okay, your next stop is the toothbrush section. And there there's, you know, you're supposed to get a single soft toothbrush from a particular vendor in uh, whatever color. And you show up and you see all these peg hooks. Um, it's it, you may slow down at that point. It may take you some time to find the exact thing. At that point, retailers probably lost any profit they could have made on that toothbrush. So now if you, as you approach, you know, we know your pick list, we know where you are in the store as an associate and what you're picking. When you show up to that peg hook section of toothbrushes, maybe the light starts to flash at this point, you know, which one to grab, you keep moving on. So it's the, it's, it's kind of, you know, one of these things we focus on. It's, it's the, it's not just about you know, consumer experience, but also the associate experience in the store when we're deploying technology and then operational efficiencies. So, you know, we're, I know we're talking about security, but, you know, if, if you can't fix the experience side or the operational efficiency side, security is not going to matter at the end of the day either. So, you know, that ability for you to be more efficient as you go through and pick more quickly or, you know, anticipate where they're going to be or what they need to pull off the shelf is going to be a big part of that. Yeah. So it's bringing the uh, IT, it's bringing the warehouse work you know, workflow work case into the store by way of the shelf edge, basically the shelf label. Absolutely. And if we weren't virtual to our, the toothbrush announce, uh, you know, toothbrush analogy, I would be a little suspect of what you're trying to say to me, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm resting assured that that was just right. an example. That was just an example. All right, but, but get back to it. So, 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 so what, what are people that do then to overcome if those are the issues and, and why they're gaining more popularity now, you know, how do people need to think about this from an implementation standpoint? Yeah, I think that I think people need to think more broadly on how they're deploying, uh, you know, uh, the technology. You know, it's I, I'm not saying everything's foolproof. Security is kind of a, a, a is I don't want to say moving target, but a multi-layered um, defense mechanism. So if you're if you're deploying stuff, you know, don't rely on out of the box encryption. Don't use you know one key for every the, the billion ESLs you deploy. So that, that's you know if someone does manage to hack, then they have access to everything. So we do a lot of things of um, creating this multi-layer security. Think of it as, you know, at your house, your screen door can protect you from bugs, but maybe not people. Mm -hmm. you now you close your door, now you're protected from people, and then you have a deadbolt, maybe you have an alarm. So it's, think of security as multi-layer. Don't security as, hey, I have encryption, I'm good, right? Because that's, that. That doesn't really mean anything. It's a multi-layer security. So what we try to do, we're in a unique position because we constantly think security. Our mobile phones are probably our most protected asset and probably the most vulnerable. So we invest heavily. We've invested heavily in security for a long time, but we have this unique ability to not just look at the security piece, but the, the communications piece that goes along with it as, as a company offering all these technologies. So, you know, 
enabling end-to-end -end security is very important, but it can't be difficult. It can't be impossible because if you make implementing security difficult, it, no one's going to do it. It's going to be too costly to implement. So it's, you know, we believe it's important to make sure it works seamlessly, easy for someone to deploy and then and does what it needs. And, uh, you know, it's, if you're, in, if you're someone responsible for managing that deployment, um, you should be thinking about, you know, where, where do I implement these multiple layers? Do I do something in software? Do I do something in hardware? We, you know, we're working specifically uh, in kind of that end to end shelf use case to go down to uh, hardware based security, you know, things like root of trust right. and, and using keys that are derived from an immutable hardware ID. So, you know, you start talking about that level, you know, it's again, digging deeper and deeper where it's harder and harder to penetrate um, a surface. Nothing's impossible, but it's if we make it hard enough, it's not going to be worth someone's time. Um, is it, is kind of the goal. But you know, so we we look at that. Um, you should be looking at what what security implementation are you doing? How many layers are you putting on? Is it tied to hardware? Is it done in software? And and look at the end to end, regardless of the the tech you're deploying, shelf edge, uh, handheld, or you know, smart cameras. Those those thoughts should be going through your head um, when you start to deploy tech in retail. Well, and Art, I have a question because you mentioned earlier that a lot of the, especially the software that people are, or retailers are deploying um, is proprietary. How does that fit into this component? Because I think you mentioned before, like if, if it's the one system and that system goes down, how are you protecting, you know, the entire end-to-end -end, uh, setup, as you were mentioning? How, how does that fit into this whole equation? Yeah, so, you know, I think uh, not only is proprietary nature of stuff adding the friction coming in, but it also yeah. adds the challenges. It are, are all proprietary solutions created equal, so to speak. Uh, so we, we're a big proponent of standards at Qualcomm. We, we invest heavily in all standards, BLE, Wi-Fi. I think we're members of 200 standards organizations. Um, so when we look at um, deployment, we can look at how these things interact, interoperate with each other and make sure that they're all playing nicely. Um, okay. So I think standards becomes a big part of removing the friction and making sure everyone knows what everyone else is doing. But like I said, security, again, you want to make sure that there's uh, kind of everyone's taking a similar approach to security um, and the multi layers of security that can be enabled. And, and we're, and we believe heavily that hardware based security is probably the, the best level you can get to. And uh, if, if not too difficult to implement, I think uh, retailers can benefit from that for sure. Got it. So that's the key, the hardware side of it. You know, you said you said the word standards too. Are mm -hmm. I, I want that's some, that's a word I feel like I hear a lot in these conversations mm -hmm. too. That's kind of this mythical term. Can you can you unpack that a little bit for the audience too, in terms of what that means and what role you guys play in that? Because you know, a lot of people say it, but you, you guys are actually doing it. So, like, what does it mean? Sure. I think you know, you know, standards from our perspective, it's you know, it's it's a bunch of people, and it's it doesn't mean you can't you know, uh, create new IP and you're, or that you're exposing your IP. The reality is, you know, everyone, if you think about it, everyone contributing to, uh, I'll, I'll use Wikipedia, a Wikipedia page, right? The more people that contribute, the more relevant the page is, right? And the more diverse the opinions and, and the better the, uh, the definition. So if you look at everyone contributing to something, so you have a common view and ultimately what that means is now these things interoperate. You know, uh, when we talk about 5G, the 5G interaction between, if we didn't have standards, how would you talk to the base station? Because each person's implementation may be different and they wouldn't interoperate. So it's, it's very important that 
it's creating this common language and this common framework for all of us to um, talk to each other ultimately <clears throat> and enables an ecosystem that isn't, isn't there from a proprietary nature. So it's, if, if there weren't standards, you wouldn't have the option to choose from multiple phones or, you know, even pick anything in your life. You wouldn't be able to, that you communicate or talk to, um, you wouldn't be able to do that across different platforms. You, you may, you would have to pick, could you imagine a world where your, uh, let's say your phone, you had to only call people that use that phone. I mean, right. in, in some cases it's like that, but you know, right. it's, we're, we're not interested. It's, it's about everyone interoperating, everyone contributing to standards, everyone creating their own intellectual property that then benefit a broader ecosystem. And when you, when you enable this broader ecosystem, it's, it's uh, a rising tide floats all boats, or I guess whatever the phrase is, you know, we all benefit. There's less friction in the environment. There's more, there's the more ability for someone to, um, you know, bring services to all of us, not just a particular, um, in particular user. Now that's really, I'm really glad I asked that question. That's really helpful context because it kind of unlocks it for me where basically what you're saying is standards are a way to defray the risk from the use of proprietary sure. technology over the you know sure. short, medium, and long term, depending on how quickly the and, standards get. And enabling the experience, right? That right. we're all looking for. And yeah, that right. Also. yeah, right. It makes it better for everyone. Like you said, one plus one equals three. Um, okay. So we just, you know, we just talked through shelf labels and some of the complexities there. You know, from your position, I mean, you're an expert in IoT as much as anyone, you know, given your role and what you describe, where, where else is this going to come into play in retail? Like, are there other technologies that are going to have to go through a similar exercise here, um, you know, that we should be thinking about or, you know, that especially ones that are potentially being talked about a lot in the media right now? Yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a couple of things. When you start deploying smart cameras or, you know, we I saw, and I'll bring this up because there was a lot of interest last week at NRF, 100%. at our booth specifically um, around biometrics. And, you know, if you start looking at, you know, biometrics, either how you authenticate someone, whether it's their face, the structure, how you secure that pipeline is going to be a big deal. How you, how you work with banks to make sure they can authenticate a user for payment. So there's, there's a lot of interesting things. So biometrics, I think is, there's going to be some standardization around there. I think uh, when you start looking at how you deploy, um, things where you should be concerned, anywhere where you're deploying cameras, you know, state to state, country to country, there's different privacy, uh, you know, regulations. So I think there's going to, you're going to have to pay close attention to that. And security becomes an even more important part of that video stream or that, that screen grab or whatever you're using to authenticate a user or even just count people in the store, you know, doing things right. and, and we're a big proponent of do, you know, do what you're trying to do, enable that use case where it makes sense. If we're all sitting in a store, if we're all sitting in the same room, it doesn't make sense to stream 4k video back to a server to say there's three of us. Right. And, you know, but it, it's, and so there's two things that happen. There's a security risk in our own personally identifiable information, or maybe we just didn't want anyone to see us. Um, and then the second part is, it's, it's not the best use of your resources. So it's when we start talking, it's not just about security, but it's about doing things at the right level. So now if you start doing things, let's say at the shelf edge or at the store edge, and that information never leaves, now you have, you've kind of created a, a more secure architecture with respect to privacy than you would have had otherwise. So I think when you start looking at AI being deployed or biometrics, or like I said, every associate getting their own device running your, your applications as a retailer, these are things you need to, to, to start thinking about is uh, how they how they all interact and, and what 
what layers and where you process things become a big part of that security architecture. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I talked to you before in RF, and actually, I used that example of store traffic counting in in a mm -hmm. conversation that we had because I thought it was yeah. really interesting. Like, you're like, you know, what's your goal? Like, you know, do you want to just count traffic? Well, mm -hmm. there's a thousand and one ways to count traffic. You don't necessarily sure. need computer vision to do it, depending on the use case you want. Absolutely. I think that's an important point to take away from what you know from what you just said. Like, because you have to factor in all these different things that you need to think about. And sometimes the most souped up version may not be the best one, even though sure. there are a ton of use cases that are coming with computer vision. Talk a little bit more about the, the employee device, though, because that was mm -hmm. that was a that was a piece of what you just said. Um, and that, you know, definitely seems to be the way people are going. There's the whole bring your own device movement in a lot of ways that I've been hearing mm -hmm. a lot of people say BYOD versus BYOB. Um, mm -hmm. What's going on there? So I think, it, you know. Things that can be seen as a benefit to the associate could be a risk to the retailer, right? Uh, so I think it's an, it's important that um, you know you just like you know at Qualcomm we have a massive IT department, and no matter what piece of technology I get, there's firewalls, there's other layers of security, and so you have to think as if you're a corporate IT guy at a, at a massive company. If you start deploying, you know, or bring your own device or allow people access to your corporate um, servers or applications. So it's important that you're thinking like an IT guy, I think, or when you're, when you're deploying what you think is a, you know, HR needs to think like an IT person. If you start thinking about here's a benefit, but what's that benefit? What's the risk that comes with that benefit? And how do I secure that? So it's either through these kind of split personality or the, the dual personas, the business versus personal side of things and allowing some of the high level OS to help uh, split that. It could be how you uh, validate that piece of hardware or that application running to that device. You know, we're very used to VPNs and others. You have to start thinking about that. How is your, this potential benefit exposing you as a retailer and, is, and does it make sense? Or do you stick with the more tried and true, you know, ruggedized handheld from the likes of, you know, Honeywell or Zebra, which they have tons of security and tons of right. experience in making sure that you're, uh, you're protected. So there's, Things to think about, it's not impossible. We all do it today. I'm running corporate applications on my phone uh, successfully. We're, we're big, big proponents of smartphones. We, we do pretty well in that business too. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I just think, you know, before you just go and develop an app in your garage over the weekend and, and throw it onto every one of your associates phones. And it could be simple as simple as a chat app, or I want to make sure that we can share schedules. There's a, there's a lot, there's a lot of thought that needs to go into that and the potential exposure along with it. Anytime you're increasing attack vector surface, it's, uh, it's opening up for people. Well, Art, while in a perfect world, I think retailers listening um, are doing this in advance. Uh, sure. They're not calling you in an emergency situation like some of us are when they have a breach or have an attack. Um, what, what are you, what what's your advice for people uh, as they're approaching these situations? You know, what kind of questions should they be asking? Is there like a security rubric they could be using to try to evaluate, you know, where risk areas could be? Um, people listening, this is a safe space. If you have questions to type in the chat for art, <laughs> please, you know, or direct message Chris and I, and we can answer them for you and like put it out there safely. But, um, but yeah, or if you will just kind of cover what should we be doing? Like give us the doctor's orders here. Yeah. So it's certainly, certainly not a doctor. Uh, it's uh, don't want to, <laughs> don't take me my medical advice, but in either case, 
you know, I, I think there, you, you mentioned rubric. There is no rubric. It, it depends. It'll depend use case to use case. It's, are you securing payment or authenticating a user for payment? Or are you authenticating a user for a loyalty program or a coupon? Right. Those are two different levels of maybe security necessary or risk associated with those transactions. So there is no rubric. It, it's, it's talking about what use case are you trying to enable and then having you know a candid conversation with the tech, the, the technologists, either it could be Qualcomm, could be anyone, that are enabling that use case for you. Um, you know, having a candid conversation on what are you doing with respect to securing the link, what are you doing with respect to securing the the data, um, how what are you you know you know what layers of security you're doing. It's it's always layers. Don't just allow someone to say, hey, I have two fifty six encryption or whatever it may be. That's not security. It is security, but it's, it's certainly not, it, it may not be enough for all applications. So I think it's important just to have a candid conversation saying here, what are my risks and what are you doing to, to protect me? And it'll depend on the use case more so than just a standard box of here's, here's what you should be asking. And Art, is it as simple as that? I mean, is that where people are bringing you in? Is that, is it, you know, we're going to like roll out this new, you know, associate device program or whatever. And then they mm -hmm. are working with you directly at that point to just help make sure they have all the layers in place that they need. Yeah. So what, what a lot of uh, folks are asking us is what questions should I ask uh, okay. is, is, you know, we may not, it's, it's, we're not going to come in and necessarily say, here's exactly what you need to do, but, sure. or, you know, we can at least say, here's the things you need to be worried about. Here's the questions you should be asking, you know, right. Yeah. And the if you ask the right questions, it it's going to expose someone who has better security than someone uh, who doesn't. So I think it's it's key. And, and we're, we're obviously in a unique position where we have all forms of wireless tech. We're in artificial intelligence. We're in, we invest heavily in security. We're, we invest heavily in, uh, you know, edge processing. So when people come to us, you know, we, we're engaged with retailers, actively engaged with retailers today, talking about use cases. And when we get into the use cases, you know, we, we can at least, you know, we, we can, uh, you know, we're, Qualcomm's not selling anything to the retailers. We're selling through our 13,000 partners. So we can at least say when you're out talking to someone, you need to ask these questions. And it, like I said, it'll all depend on what they're trying to do, what their intent is. And to be honest, we're just, we're providing advice, whether or not uh, people choose to listen, that's, that's up to them. We're just trying to make everyone aware <laughs> is, is the goal. So, I mean, really, you're like a shepherd in that situation. Try, I mean, trying to. Yeah. yeah. Sure except, hurt, except herding cats instead of sheep. It's, it's <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, right. Cats <clears throat> is the nice way to put it when you're talking about yeah. retailers. Yeah, retailers. Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's get you out on this question. You know, um, and I think you can kind of tell this from the way we set this up, too, which is, you know, it feels like I'm guessing you would say that a lot of these issues that we've just discussed, particularly around electronic shelf labels, are getting solved. Mm -hmm. And so my question for you to leave the audience with is, you know, what's your prediction for the use of electronic shelf labels going forward? Like, is there anything you can tell us in terms of what we should expect to see on the retail horizon here over the next year to two years? Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, I mentioned some friction points earlier, maybe some reservations on deploying tech earlier. Um, those start to go away as new mm -hmm. ROIs you know, it come into play or the need, you know, when your bottom line starts getting impacted. So there's going to be more pull. So I think the key thing is what we will experience as consumers once that happens. I talked about the associate use case where their life becomes easier to pick. So they're more efficient. But now when we're going through the store, it's digitizing that edge isn't just about, um, you know, 
changing prices. It's about enabling experiences, the potential for us to dynamically change pricing and we as, we as uh, consumers benefiting, maybe knowing more about the product at the shelf edge, maybe allowing us to uh, complete a transaction at shelf edge when something isn't, is no longer there. Let's say something is out of stock. There's no reason we can't change the persona of that shelf tag into a means by which to order something. So, you know, I think there's going to be some, I think we're going to see experiences start to be enabled um, after these initial ROIs of automated pricing and picking, you know, justify this, that we as consumers are going to want. And then once we experience that, you know, you're going to start seeing more pull um, from, from us as consumers on expectations in store. So I think there's this, it's, all, a lot of the friction has been removed. You know, we're working to standardize things. We're working to fix security. Technology pricing is going down. Labor prices going. So a lot of those friction points are, are are gone, and we're enabling technology. But then the experiences. Then it all shifts to experience at that point. The experiences are going to be enabled at one retailer um, versus others. I think will cause um, kind of a a market shift in behavior uh, and adoption of, of, re- of uh, electronic shelf labels. Now, it, it's when you're talking thousands of stores and, and billions of devices, it's going to take some time. But I think the retailers that adopt earlier and provide those experiences are going to have an advantage over some of the others that have not adopted the technology. So we're kind of at this, uh, you know, at this cliff, we're all about ready to dive in. And I think when we get in there, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty cool. The experiences that we're going to see um, and come to expect. I mean, that's really where it's going. So I, I see adoption going up significantly over the next few years. You do, you do. So you think people are at the cliff and have already jumped in and that we're going to see some pretty large scale implementations of electronic shelf level deployments here over the yes. next 12 yes. months? I certainly do. I think, uh, you know, all the headwinds and tailwinds combined are, are certainly pushing people off a cliff that haven't necessarily thought of jumping before. And, and then, like I said, when, when we as retail consumers start experiencing, I think there's going to be further pull for that, for that experience. Nice. Jump off the cliff retailers. Cause the water's actually pretty warm on this one from our opinion too. I mean, I've been pushing electronic shelf labels. Like it was my job since 2016 when, right. when, it, when it actually was my job, man. Um, That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, but yeah. Well, Art, um, that was wonderful. If people who are about to deploy electronic shelf labels um, and need to know the right questions they should be asking of their security teams, if they want to get in touch with you, learn more about Qualcomm, where should they go? Sure. So thanks to our PR and marketing people, we're not hiding anymore. So if you just go to qualcomm.com <laughs> slash retail, um, it'll, it'll at least tell you, talk about our vision and, and link you to some of our, uh, so our, our partners and, and you can get in contact with Qualcomm. If not, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Art Miller. I, I don't know if that's probably a good thing to put out there because now I'll have more things to check, but um, yeah, easy to get a hold of us. Uh, we can have those conversations and uh, we're more, more than willing to, to have those conversations, simply provide advice, whether or not you're using our technology, we're big proponents of uh, standards and, and, and bringing the whole ecosystem along with us. Thanks, Art. Thanks, Art. Well, for everyone watching, that wraps us up. Thank you so much for t- participating with us today. Uh, thanks to you, Art. It was a great conversation. I learned a ton. I really enjoy the conversation. Really get really enjoy getting the chance to sit down with you and chat about this topic and, and get, get allow everyone to hear your expertise. It's really just a fascinating subject line. So again, Art Miller, head of global uh, retail IoT at Qualcomm. 
Uh, thanks to everyone again for watching and participating on LinkedIn. And as always, be careful out there.